What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that raid line! Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC has... Escape the Groundhog Day existence and has ended the Helton era. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 425, coming to you on Monday, November 15th. This is a huge mailbag here as we look back to a sudden bye week and look forward to USC and UCLA locking horns at the Coliseum this Saturday. Uh, in a big rivalry game, one that USC needs uh, if they want to start thinking about going bowling. We're going to answer your questions and so much more here in this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Rain of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rain of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, wherever you can find a podcast. We are there. Our email address is Rain of Troy at fansided.com and our phone number it's 213-373-1USC, Second What's Burn Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Daratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, we are back with a mailbag episode um, in which this might be our biggest mailbag in a long time. We have a ton of questions, questions that we've gotten over the last week or so. Last week, we finally put out that episode that we wanted to. Uh, in which we went down every single coach, uh, potential coaching candidate that USC could theoretically look at uh, in the coaching search to replace Clay Helton. People enjoyed it, which is always good to see. Uh, a couple of things to correct, like Chris Richard, I said he was the defensive coordinator of the Cowboys. Uh, no, he's the defensive backs coach of the Saints. 
Um, he was. Yeah. Uh, but he, he, did, he, he was coaching for the Cowboys. Yeah, he was. Sure. Yeah. And at some point. Yeah, and we and we had a couple of people suggest some names that we didn't talk about. I think Dan Quinn was one of them that yeah. would be interesting. Um, that yeah, there the, we didn't talk about anyone currently on the staff either. Yeah, and frankly, that there's a reason for that. But um, yeah, the the thing about this coaching search is, and we said it in the podcast, like they could go out and hire somebody that we didn't talk about, right? Because there are an infinite number of names when you get down to it. So we just tried to sort of focus in on the on the ones that we've heard from whatever sources, uh, not sources, just people throwing out names. And I think we mostly covered uh, the 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 big ones. Uh, there will always be guys that uh, that people are looking at that we didn't get to. So sorry about that. If there, if we didn't talk about someone that uh, yeah that you wanted, yeah, we we did go through like fifty two or fifty three yeah. guys, whatever that <laughs> list was. It, it was. Pretty pretty gnarly. I think we got everyone just about covered. Um, yeah, extensive lifts. Go back and listen to it if you haven't already. Uh, it was episode 424. Um, and this week is an interesting one because last week's game against Cal, USC and Cal, supposed to play this past Saturday, was postponed due to COVID. We're going to talk about it more in the news segment. Uh, so that's been pushed back, which means it was a sudden bye week, which gave us more time uh, to let you guys listen to the Coaching Hires uh, podcast. Um, but this week, a little bit different because, Alicia, you are making yourself ineligible for the USC-UCLA preview episode that we're going to put out later this week. You're not going to be around for it. Okay, can I blame BYU for this? Why? Because, like, I wasn't prepared for this being rivalry week. Like, I, I wasn't... Thinking about this being like, like, not that it would have changed the, my plans, but at least the BYU like scheduling contract thing came out like six years ago. Yeah, I know, but but real, real, like realistically, USC UCLA should be the last game of the season unless it's Notre Dame, and it's not Notre Dame this year, so it should be. You know how many times it's been the last game of the season? Like hardly ever. Well, I feel like it should be the last game of the season, and sure, the fact that it's it not is. is is messing with me. So sadly, I will miss out on the crosstown podcast with our great buddy jake and uh and that will be very disappointing yeah, for me would have buried the lead there but uh, but jake yeah he's gonna fill in for you oh yeah sorry i didn't I, I i jumped the gun there yeah jake is filling in for me for the crosstown podcast uh he will do an amazing job as always and i will be out of town yeah you're gonna be on secret assignments mm-hmm. uh aka going to visit my favorite city in the world <laughs> without me <laughs> you were invited but as I told Jake, you have the palate of a nine-year-old. So no, the entire purpose of this visit to your favorite city I have in the, the world. the correct palate. I'm, 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 I'm going out of town in order to do a food experience with my family that you were invited to, that you declined, along with several other significant others of my family members, because it would be a, a, a waste of... Uh, of a of a meal because it it might not appeal to you. That's that's what's really happening. Yeah, you guys are going to have gross food. That's fine. <laughs> uh, and and you're doing it on a rivalry week. That's yeah. fine too. You can yeah. you can you can just take the blame here. You I'm taking you the won't blame. Won't be here, but yeah. uh, Jake will be. So uh, we'll have Jake Merrifield from the What's Bruin show later on this week as we preview USC and UCLA again. The rivalry game Saturday uh, at one p.m. 
Um, so look forward to that later this week. Uh, and this episode will be a mailbag. Uh, but we got a bunch of news. Uh, let's get to it. Up next. start with the changes of USC schedule. USC Cal was supposed to be last week. That game has been moved to December 4th, which is championship Saturday. Uh, USC and Cal, spoiler alert, not going to win their respective divisions. So, yeah, I guess it made sense to move it back to there uh, rather than just having Cal forfeit uh, and USC collecting a free win. SC's going to have to earn it. And they're going to need it to to get to bowl eligibility. USC has three games remaining. UCLA, BYU, and then Cal. They've got to win two of three to go to a bowl game. So you would assume Cal's got to be one of those three, uh, considering the difficulty of those three opponents. But either way, SC needs a win. uh, And they could could use one up in Berkeley on December 4th. Uh, Berkeley on December 4th is not Vegas. SC was hoping to be in Vegas that day. But uh, alas, it's Berkeley. Yeah, and it's just an extension of a season that didn't need extending, to be a honest. Bit, a little bit. I don't know if it's going to change anything realistic, realistically for USC. I think the head coaching decision, we're going to talk about the timing on that. I didn't think uh, about this, but... I, I don't think hmm. it, it will actually impact that at all, um, because the timeline, I think, is not related to USC's schedule. It's related right. to the schedule of whatever head coach they identify as the guy. Well, so. especially when, when you factor in that they've already fired Clay Elton, they don't have to do the firing and yeah. the hiring. Yeah, if they Clay just, Helton, just have to do the hiring. What would be really interesting is if Clay Helton still had his job. Yes. Then it would be like, oh, wait, so now you can't fire him the week before. How are you? What's the timing going to be on that? But yep. it's, it's not a factor. So no, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, other two new scheduling updates. Uh, SCUCLA, the city championship this Saturday, 1 p.m. at the Coliseum on Big Fox. It's going to be Joe Davis, Brock Heward, and Bruce Feldman on the call. The Bruins are 6-4. and four. They're already bowl eligible. They'll be looking to get USC uh, held out of bowl eligibility. And I-, I want to save this for later in the week. We're going to talk about it later in the week. But there's already some shots fired. Have you seen this quote from, from Bo Calvert, former USC commit Bo Calvert? This comes from Ben Bolch of the LA Times, UCLA linebacker Bo Calvert on playing USC last season with no fans. Quote, the energy was still there because you're playing against the little boys across the street. Uh, and then in a tweet um, from James Williams, it says UCLA linebacker Bo Calvert referred to USC as the boys. The little boys across the street before stating, quote, they're up and down throughout the season. We're looking to put the final dagger in them this weekend. Should you should UCLA really be talking? I, I, I mean, these, these are the things that get said. I don't really care about these things, uh, but surely SC should use them as um, bullet board material. Bullet bulletin board material. Bulletin board. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, for sure. Um, I mean, if we want to get technical, SC can use UCLA and still. Um, beat BYU and Cal and still be alive for a bowl game, even though we, we, I don't think that's exactly what Bo Calvert was was referring to. But uh, we'll talk about that later this week with, with Jake, uh, SC, and UCLA ramping up. Uh, the Trojans did beat UCLA at the final moments last year. We'll see if they can 
uh, use that mojo to continue uh, and win again this year. Um, and then the last game of the year, which is supposed to be against BYU, now it's against Cal, but Thanksgiving Saturday is going to be a night game against the BYU Cougars. The Cougars currently sit number 14, number 14 in the AP Top 25. They're 8-2. and two. They'll be coming to the Coliseum at 7.30 p.m. on ESPN uh, on uh, next Saturday. Yeah, and that could be an interesting matchup because I think uh, Kalani Satake is a should be a candidate for USC's head coaching job. So there's some and Washington's Washington just Washington, ha- just yeah. fired Jimmy Lake. He should be a candidate there. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I that potentially game, at Washington State too. Yeah, that game could could end up being a big deal because you know Kalani Satake potentially improves his uh, his stock as a coaching candidate if if he beats USC, even yeah. a down USC. If you beat USC at the Coliseum when you're BYU, I think you uh, you're adding to your resume. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And then the other news nugget, the big one that we have to discuss over the weekend: five star cornerback Domani Jackson has decommitted from the Trojans. This is the corner out of modern day, the number six recruit in the country, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite, the number two ranked corner, and the number one recruit in the state of California. Originally originally committed to USC back in January, and it's not looking good. I mean, not only did he decommit, but if you want to look at the crystal balls over on 24-7 Sports, I think these are three important big ones from Gerard Martinez of USCFootball.com. Steve Wiltfong from 24-7 Sports, their director of recruiting, and Hank South from Bama Online. All of them have crystal-balled Domani Jackson to Alabama. This comes just one week after he visited Tuscaloosa for uh, the Bama's big win over LSU last week. Yeah, and and this this hurts, but it was always inevitable. I think... Damani Jackson not coming to USC is directly a a reflection of USC holding on to Clay Hilton for too long cuz basically you've you've given the new head coach not enough time to secure this commitment. Uh there's a there's still a very very slim chance that USC makes a big hire and and uh Damani decides that he wants to stay home but I can never, never, ever fault a dude for going to play for Nick Saban. So, you know, he's doing what's best for him and and he has every right to do that. From a USC perspective, it is more important to have moved on from your head coach and make the right hire than to focus in on the recruits from this particular cycle. Yeah, it's a tough pill to swallow, but that's the thing. You 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 need to get the higher rights more than anything else. Yes. You were always going to screw over a recruiting cycle by firing your head coach. Just just what happens. USC's problem is that they should have done this two years ago and screwed over two years ago's cycle, which already got screwed over anyways. Uh, But now that the cat's out of the bag, you just have to move forward and you can. It sucks that Domani Jackson won't be playing for USC, presumably. But USC has bigger fish to fry at this point. There will be other top recruits that USC can turn things around with. Yeah, as we've pointed out before, SC's hope here is that you hire a coach who allows those big names like Damani Jackson to pause and not actually sign. Um, you know, he's not committed to Alabama as of, as of now. But if that's the assumption of where where he's going to go, 
uh, you just want to hold off and not have him sign if you go out and hire a big-name coach that makes him consider SC, potentially pushing back on the early, early signing period from uh, December, which is pretty much the standard signing period now, and pushing back to the late signing period, which is the old one, back in February. Uh, but we've got a bunch of questions from the mailbag. Let's just get right to them. You've got mail. All right, Alicia, let's start with an email we got from my dad. From Joe and Lomita? Yeah, my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, geez, way to dox him, geez. <laughs> um, hey, Michael and Alicia. Okay, after hearing the show on rating possible coaches, I think the Trojans should consider Whittingham, Campbell, Fickle, the Coastal Carolina coach, and sorry, Alicia, but Joe Brady as well. To me, the only problem with Brady is he had Joe Burrow at quarterback, and right now we are not truly sure about Jackson Dart. That's a big difference. For some reason, I think of Anthony Lynn as a possible choice, only because his post-game press conferences he came off as being a guy who didn't point fingers at his team and seemed good in dealing with the media, even though, let's be serious here, the media in LA are all into the Rams. Could he handle the media heat? Uh, as a USC coach, is a big question. I think Lynn could probably relate to the college players. His demeanor could possibly cause players to buy into him. Wow, now that I'm thinking about it, wasn't Helton like that? Hmm. Whatever happens, the hire has to give us all hope. Take care, your father slash future father-in-law. LOL. There was at the end of that. Yeah, there was <laughs> Thank you, Joe, for calling in. Um... Yeah, I I think that uh, aside from my Joe Brady take, I'm I'm sort of with you. I think there's reasons to hire a lot of these guys. I think there are always every coach has their warts. Every coach has potential pitfalls that that will get in the way. I think Anthony Lynn is another one of those guys that maybe yeah, maybe he could relate to players, and maybe he just needs another chance at this level. Uh, he wasn't terrible with the Chargers. He just didn't quite get them over the hump. Uh, so, you know, there was... there was Who, who has? Right? Yeah, who has. So there was some good there. I think I think that's something. But the, the thing I wanted to talk about is the, the relation to Helton. Being able to have players buy into you is half the battle. And Clay Helton didn't have the other half, but he sure had that half. And, you know, you want that in your head coach. You want that paired with some tactical uh, skill and some... Um, competitive understanding and all of that kind of stuff. But that is something that you do want to identify in a head coach. Buy-in is, is, is not easy. It's not simple. And that's, that's what separates sometimes someone like Nick Saban, who everyone says isn't exactly the, uh, the most like personable guy, but his players seem to love him. His players seem to, to respect him and have that buy-in. And that's, the thing that makes a difference. So personality matters a lot less than the ability to get people on your side. And for someone like Helton, that was pretty much the only thing he had going for him. Yeah. Um, that was, that was his thing. And, and it worked out. I mean, when you talk about guys like, you know, Brew McCoy, kind of the, the banner example of someone who transfers away and then transfers back because someone like Clay Helton would leave the door open for him. Yeah. Um, obviously you wish that that, panned out differently as it stands but 
you know, a prime, prime example of, of something. And no one's ever had an ill word to say of Clay Helton the man, uh, unless you're, you know, Crazy. someone who, who's never met him, right? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that, that you obviously you want to hire someone who's a great tactical mind, who's a great coach, uh, who's a great person. Uh, you just, I, my thing is, you can't overcorrect based on what you've already had. Yeah. Uh, I know there's a lot of people that are like, oh, well, you hired a, a great guy. Well, why don't we hire an asshole next time? Like, that's not how it works. Like, yeah. like, like, don't overcorrect based on what you already had. And going out and getting just a, somebody who tactically has it but doesn't have the persona or personality right. to be able to get guys on his side, that's going to end just as poorly. Yeah, you want, you want to find someone who checks all the boxes of what you're looking for. Uh, those guys are out there, and it's about SC being able to figure out who that is. Uh, let's go to a tweet we got from Casey. What's your best guess on who will be the next head coach at USC? Well, at least you put on your uh, your your predictor cap. Who, who who you got? You got five bucks to put put on somebody for entertainment purposes only. Where where are you putting it? Um, I believe that. Dave Aranda is going to be the next head coach of USC. If I had to like put five bucks or like my life savings or, you know, the chance of winning a million dollars or something like that, I think that that's where I would cast my vote at this stage. Um, Don't make it a confidence pick or anything like that. But I just, I think that, I think that he's the guy. The more I think about it, the more I think that he's the guy. If you're asking me who to pick... Right now, I'm in the Dave Aranda camp, for sure. Especially after this past week, the way that they bottled up Oklahoma. Uh, Like I put on Twitter, it really is incredible how Dave Aranda is like multiple candidates in one. You're talking about the things that you like about Matt Campbell. Well, Dave Aranda can do those things. He's one with inferior talent. He's beaten Oklahoma, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You talk about Brett Venables. Uh, Oh, well, you need a technical mind like Brett Venables. Well... Dave Aranda's won a national title as a def- as a defensive coordinator too. That's a Brent Venables type. That's a Kirby Smart type, right? Like, look at those guys. So you can get multiple facets of what your multiple profiles within Dave Aranda. Uh, so I like I, to me if I was picking who I would if I had the hiring power, I'm in the Dave Aranda camp right now. Who would be my best guess? Strictly based on past um, connections and probably maybe the odds-on favorite strictly because of the connection to Mike Bone, I'd say Luke Fickle for now. But I I, I don't know anything. The, you know, this, this coaching staff, I mean, this uh, administration is not talking. They, there's, you don't hear any actual real leaks or anything. So you don't know where anyone is leaning. So this is all just a guess, and so if I had to put anything on this, I'd, I'd say the bone connection to, to Fickle could matter. But who am I to say? Yeah. D- d- don't don't read too much into that. And quite frankly, the fact that the administration is not talking, is not leaking, is not interested in any of that is a very, very good thing, just for the record. Yeah, and it, because of that, it could be Deion Sanders. Yeah, yeah. who the hell knows? Yeah. Uh, tweet from Judy, uh, what do you think is the most reasonable timeline for a coaching announcement I know there are layers to this, but just ballpark it. Thanks and fight on. You mentioned it a few minutes ago. It, I think it depends on the coach. Um, 
if it if it's a coach who is coaching right now, then it probably makes sense of when are they going to finish their their regular season? When is there going to be an opportunity to do the actual interviews? When is there going to be the opportunity to do all those things and work from there? So if it's a Dave Aranda, well, is he going to play in the Big 12 championship game? Well, that pushes it a week back, right? And then is is there going to be some some days to to interview him and somebody else or or whatnot? So I don't know. I think at this rate, you got to start looking at, you know, uh, December fourth is the last game for SC. I would I would circle December sixth through the tenth as your money window for uh, for a hiring uh, for USA. Yeah. So if the hire is Dave Aranda, then look for it either on the 29th at the earliest or I think maybe like that's the Monday after uh, the last regular season game for Baylor. Yeah. And that would be pretty early, uh, 29th, to let's say the third... Let's say the 13th at the latest, because you can't hire him much later than that because early signing day is that week. Could, could you could you agree to terms with Miranda and then just not announce it until like the 5th, until after the season? I, I, I would, if I had to say the money week for a USC hire is between the 5th and the 11th. And sure. I, if I had to put money on it, I'd say, let's say by December 7th, on December 7th, USC, USC will announce a head coach. That's the Tuesday. That's if it's Dave Aranda. If it's Luke Fickle, then you are... It's basically the same timeline. I mean, he's going to play in the the American Championship game, right? It's the same timeline unless uh, he's in the playoff. If he's in the playoff, I genuinely do not know how no, you I think it would be the out. same thing. I think it would be the you same think thing. They hire, you think he takes a job with a playoff game coming up? Actually, yeah, he yeah. would take... Yes, if you're USC, you have to make that hire... And if you're taking that job... What are you going to do, wait? Yeah, you can't wait. You have to... Basically, USC's best bet is sometime, let's say, before the 10th, you need to have your head coach ready to go because they need that weekend before the early signing period to get a head start and start calling people and get their... Well, and ideally, what you do is you have... By the 6th, you have the higher... You have a few days, let's say, by by the 10th, you not only have the head coach, but you have the staff more or less put together. They need to start calling. They need to start getting in recruiting situations and start begging kids to wait uh, to make their decisions, all of that kind of stuff. So if you wait until after the 10th to make this hire, it, like if you don't make it by the 13th, you might as well wait until January. You might as well wait until right. you have NFL playoff coaches well, that, you can, that you can look um, at because... Mm. Because once the early signing yes. period's done, like what what are you going to do? Yes, but you're this is still going to be a wild carousel because of the jobs open. UW is open. It's going to be open. LSU is going to be open. Uh, there's big jobs that are going to be open, and you might have to compete against those schools for somebody. You might get in a bidding war with with somebody, and so I, I don't think that you can just completely just just wait. Because you need to still swing and, and get who you. Because you're USC, you you need to dictate this. There should be no one else that that gets first pick, uh, based on who who you want. You should be able to get who you want. What if who you want is Luke Fickle? 
and he refuses to take a job until after the playoff if he's in it. How bad do you want him? If he's your guy, you wait for him, as far as I'm concerned. Yes. Uh, yes. But, but you wait, hor- wait for him with a handshake of, like, you're not going to screw us over by not taking this job now, buddy. Like, sure, you got to do but it. at that point, isn't he taking the job? Well, if USC, does not, if USC does not have a hire made by the end of December and Luke Fickle is in the playoff, then it will be an open well, secret. And in that case, you start looking at NFL guys, too. Yeah. Then you're like, well, is Matt Rule someone who gets fired in, in Carolina? Yeah. And Matt Rule is someone we should have had on the list because, the, for me, he's a home run hire. The moment that Matt Rule like, becomes available, you, he becomes you, the home run hire in, in college you football. You go all in on Matt Rule, yes. Yeah. Matt Rule, two years ago, was my number one. Uh, and still would be my number one. Why? Because he's turned around every single program he's been at. Uh, Temple, Baylor, under and, crazy circumstances. And yeah. failing in the NFL does, does not, not matter, matter that much nothing. when you've made your name as a college coach. Yeah, means See Nick absolutely Saban. absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on, let's go to a tweet from Alex. In light of the Domani Jackson news, what is the most impactful decommitment USC has had since the BCS era? I say DeAnthony Thomas. It's Jalen Ramsey. It's Jalen Ramsey. Mm. And I will stand by that forever. It's Jalen Ramsey. I don't disagree. I, I think Jalen Ramsey's probably the guy. I imagine him on that 2014 defense where you have a Dory Jackson, Jalen Ramsey, Sua Cravens, mm-hmm. Leonard Williams. Yeah. Damn. You could you could say that USC losing out on Manti Teo was a pretty big deal. He wasn't a commit though. He wasn't a commit. Yeah, he wasn't a yeah. decommit. But he Deshaun like, Jackson was not a commit. Yeah. And I don't think Deshaun Jackson changes much. To be quite honest with you, uh, what it, what does he change? I, I don't think he changes much for how it everything panned out with SC. Yeah. Um, I think you could make a. Strong argument that Manti Teo changes things. Uh, again, wasn't a commit. But uh, Jalen Ramsey is surely one. At the same point, you know, you went through, you look at his time at, at, at what it would have been at SC in 2013, 14, and 15. It was such a chaotic year. I mean, set of years with uh, the Ed Ogeron thing, Kiffin getting fired, Sark getting fired midseason. I don't think he prevents any of that. And that's probably a very bad time for Jalen Ramsey to come anyways. So, like, he's he's the, the, the decommitment that hurt the most, I think. I think you're right. But in terms of the most impactful... I don't know. All right. Can you... Z, and this is, this is where my knowledge fails me, but was there anyone that USC could have used in 2008 that puts that team... Over the top. The 2018? The 2018. Team? Who can you add to that 2018 team that didn't end up coming to USC? And I just I just don't know. Because if you want to no. talk about impactful, maybe you look at 2006, 7, and 8 were teams that USC could have won think, national titles. I, I don't think SC lost any of those... Any lost any of those national titles because of their but personnel, because of it, or because of a specific decommitment. I can't yeah. think of one. No, I didn't follow recruiting very closely. Uh, so at the, time. The, the other one that you, we could add here is Montez Perfect. Yeah, that was a big one. You can add Perfect to this. 
Um, you can then start to look at the quarterbacks now when you talk about Bryce Young and, and Matt Corral. Again, I, those aren't hard for me because yeah. I'm not saying that Bryce Young and Matt Corral are worse than what USC has right now, but... I'm just not sure any any of these... like USC's, USC's quarterback situation has been so consistent no matter who the names are that I'm not sure that those guys would have panned out at USC given how everything has been. And this has been something we've talked about before. You, you can say that JT Daniels would be better than Keaton Slovis and... Sure, maybe, but he also would have been in a position to fail, just like Keaton Slovis is. Yeah. And Bryce Young would have been put in a position to fail, just like Keaton Slovis is. So, I... I, mm, Those are hard to gauge. Uh, Moving on. Tim says, with hindsight, uh, Domani's decommitment uh, and Michael Williams earlier, uh, do you think it was a bad idea to fire Clay Helton so early in the year? They don't have the ability to add to the class until they get a new coach, and they'll be playing defense with commits for close to three months. This is hard because I don't know that it matters. Helton was not going to be able to recruit this fall very well anyways. Um... Even if USC has a better record, which I think they probably end up having a slightly better record, uh, it just, it, he was a sitting duck. He was always going to be a sitting duck. And the timing on the firing was, uh, firing your head coach is never good for recruiting. It was always going to damage recruiting. That's just the way I see it. So uh, would it have made a difference? Maybe, but... Maybe you just hold off Damani Jackson decommitting until, you know, mid-December, right before the early signing period. When you, when you have no time to pivot or anything? Yeah, so it... it he becomes Jalen Ramsey? Yeah. Yeah. I... The, the This is difficult because it... What what did you need to happen from the firing? Was the, was the most important thing that Clay Helton didn't earn his, another year? Because if that was the thing, then you needed to fire him when you did. You know what you know what could have helped recruiting just slightly? Um you fire Helton in week two, Dante Williams goes uh, turns out to be an incredible interim head coach yeah. and has a chance of getting the job. So recruits are still sort of on board for the few months and then right. those relationships remain intact. Maybe that's the scenario, but realistically that happened a little with with Ogeron as the interim. He rallied, yeah, some recruits. Um, but but then you risk yeah. alienating those recruits if you don't hire Dante there's, Williams. There's too and many then, pros and cons yeah. to all of these things. That I don't think there's a solution. The solution the, was firing Clay Helton in 2018. Let's the, be honest. The, the, the like, solution was SC being willing to pay the buyout back then. Yeah, and making the 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 decision then to fire him and deal with it and all that. And if, you know, the university would have been a different place, uh, if Bowen would have been around earlier, if, if, uh, if Lin Swan hadn't gotten, yeah, like there's all, know, there's all these moving parts that outmaneuvered by yeah. Jimmy Sexton uh, with that extension. Yeah. That really is the, the, the best thing is that they needed to fire Clay Elton years ago, um, and be willing to eat the money or never have to pay all that money either way. Yeah. Uh, let's go to LJ. 
Maybe I'm being a downer, but I feel like the Pac-12 is slowly feeling less like a Power 5 conference. What are some things the Pac-12 needs to do to change this? I... Maybe this is an unpopular opinion. I think it's on the schools. I think it's honestly on the schools. It's not the Pac-12's fault that Stanford is what Stanford is. It's not the conference's fault that ASU has not developed Jaden Daniels into something more than the guy who got Tempe. It's not the Pac-12's fault that SC is running a two-quarterback system that is putting both quarterbacks in harm's way and not you know, developing their players and not capitalizing on the talent that they have, struggling to recruit, all those things. It's not the Pac-12's fault that that's happened. It's not the Pac-12's fault that Chip Kelly decided just not to recruit at UCLA and has struggled to win and has struggled to channel his, his prowess from a decade ago at Oregon. It's not the conference's fault that Jimmy Lake ended up not being the guy people thought he would be as a head coach. It's not the conference's fault that Nick Rolovich is a moron. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I understand that, you know, it, it's frustrating that these things always happen with the conference in general. But at some point, when are we going to start looking at, you know, the con- start blaming the, the, the teams themselves? That, that's where the control is. Here's- and, and we talked about it so much, you know, a decade ago when when they got the when they got the, the the big money deal, which at the time was the big money deal in the country. Almost every school boosted all of their um, their facilities. They they built new workout centers and all that stuff. Uh, and so many schools upgraded their coaches. You you look at Washington State; they went from Paul Wolf to Mike Leach, right? Arizona went from Mike Stoops. To Rich Rod, a guy who had West Virginia on the brink of a national championship game, the the godfather of the spread offense, right? The the Pac-12 got better in terms of the coaching that that was in this conference, and yet, what did they have to show for it? One, uh, one playoff berth that hasn't been from Oregon, one, and that was Washington, and they lost what twenty four to seven. So like, and and the only other playoff berth was Oregon in that first year. Like, realistically, what the Pac-12 needs is for USC to get its shit together. Um, the ACC would be talked about in the same way as the Pac-12 if Clemson hadn't dominated nationally for the yeah. last few years. Uh, realistically, US, it's all about USC. If your premier brand is good, then you will be right. good. M- what, more money would help. I, yeah. I just don't trust the. But the, USC's the, the, problem is not the schools the, to spend the money correctly anyway. No, USC's problem is not the money, the revenue that the Pac-12 is or isn't bringing on, bringing in. USC's problem has been decision making, decision making, decision making, yeah. hires, hires, hires. So it's it really comes down to that. And you know, USC and UCLA both have new ads, and I think they're pretty well respected. Who I think we, uh, I personally think that Bone and Jarman are. Uh, committed, upgrades over committed Solana to Guerrero. football yeah. in a way that uh, that 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 we haven't seen um in a while. But you know it, what it takes is USC being good, Oregon staying good, and then ideally 
a third program to rise and be the team that's always hovering between 10 and 15. Because what you need, USC, I mean, the Pac-12 has the number three team in the country right now. So what you need is the number three. You need a number eight or nine. They have the best player in the country. Yeah, they have the best in, player in the country. Yeah. Right? So what you what the the pack the perception of the Pac-12 would be considerably helped if you had Oregon at number Oregon or USC or whoever a team at number three, a team at number eight, and a team at number thirteen. And the Pac-12 had that for a little while with Oregon, USC, Washington, Stanford, Washington. Um, you know, Oregon. Yeah, early Utah. teens. Yeah. yeah, there's been three team combos in the Pac-12. USC is not holding up its end of the bargain to be that third team. And ASU, Utah, UCLA, Washington, they're not holding up their end of the bargain to be that third team either. So right now, the only team in the Pac-12 pulling its weight in football is Oregon. And they're barely yeah. doing that. <laughs> yeah. Now, mind you, more money would, would help people, you know, be able to spend more resources on things. Absolutely. Yeah, but money wasn't... I just don't trust the schools to spend the, the money correctly when they've tried that before and it didn't pan out. Money wasn't why Washington hired Jimmy Lake. They right. just got that wrong. Um, money and, wasn't... And we all liked Jimmy Lake. Like, yeah. Like, we, we thought that Jimmy Lake was... No was one thought Jimmy out. Lake was a terrible hire when yeah. the hire was made, but sometimes Chip you Kelly miss. Kelly was an amazing hire for UCLA. And sometimes you out. miss. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, so even when Pac-12 schools are making the right decisions, some of them just have not panned out. And, well, and I, it, I know it's it's easy to blame Larry Scott for that, but... The the so one thing not, not everything is Larry Scott's fault. The thing is George K I think is coming in and they're they are talking about the little tweaks that can happen that can make it a little bit easier for the for right. your teams to be good changing the schedule. But you need to be better in general for, a playoff, for those things to really matter. But those things don't matter unless USC starts being good. So Yeah. yeah. And UW and UCLA. And, yeah. And Oregon continuing to be good all those Or Stanford or Cal or Oregon State or who, just you need yeah. somebody it doesn't matter who it is somebody needs to come up and be the team that plays off of Oregon and, and USC, ideally. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, let's go to JNA5993. Assuming USC gets the next head coach right, how long do you think it will take him to rebuild the program into national relevance? Uh, this is an interesting question because I think what I have one question right back to you. Is this coach going to do a teardown? Is this coach going to do the thing that um, Chris Peterson did at UW, where he, you know, a bunch of guys, there was a lot of attrition, guys were kicked off the team, guys figured out that the culture was not for them, and in and out, and a bunch of stuff, because if that happens, it might, there might be another year of going like six and six or something, Uh, you know, Nick Saban went six and six in his first year at Alabama, the hope would be that you see signs of improvement while that happens. Uh, but then things all come together. Or is the coach going to come in and say, hey, there's still talent on this roster. There's still, you know, elite talent when you look at guys like Corey Farmer, who's the number one recruit last year. And so can you just build off of this? So I think there's a chance. I, I think what makes this better for anything for USC is that there is no dominant team in the Pac-12. As much as Oregon's been the dominant team in the Pac-12, Watch Oregon on a weekly basis. Are they the dominant team on the football field week in and week out? No. Not always. They're always vulnerable. So, yeah, I think SC can come in here and, you know, win nine games next year. Even if 
there is attrition. And luckily, this is the landscape of college football now where there is sort of free agency, where you can get transfers, where you can get uh, guys to come in and all those things that you didn't have available 10 years ago. Okay, I some may disagree with me, but I think that if USC gets the next coach right, and that's the parameters, they should be able to win the Pac-12 by year two. I think that they should be able to get to a play, to the playoff, or at least in the playoff discussion. I'm talking, you know, you're the one that gets left out by year three, maybe four. But I would not expect national relevance in the sense of being able to compete with Nick Saban's Alabama. Yeah, what, until what do you consider national relevance? Is national relevance competing for a playoff spot? C- c- not no. Well, national relevance is competing for a playoff spot. I think. Um, I think that USC wants to be nationally relevant, but you also want to then take that next step to being able to win two playoff games, which means winning a a national title. And I think USC realistically probably is five years out from that. Th- that's, because you that's need probably fair. Because you need like, to start stocking the trenches if, with elite yes. talent. Yeah, I, I would say that SC's probably five years away from maybe competing against Alabama and Georgia. Yeah. On that level. Yes. But can they but, get to the playoff before then? I think so. Well, yes. Especially since when you look back at how far away is SC from putting together a year like 2017? They shouldn't be that 2017, far 2017, they finished, what, seventh in the yeah. in the poll before the before the um before the, the final uh before the playoff w- was set and people were making arguments that morning on why SC should be included, ones that we didn't believe in, didn't no. buy into, but like you could make you know, weird arguments. Twenty seventeen right? without the blowout losses, you can maybe make those arguments. Right, but yeah. like SC should be able to get to twenty seventeen level pretty quickly, and twenty seventeen level years. was still on the cusp of being a, a playoff contender. Because realistically, the transfer portal makes this all a little bit more wonky. Yeah, but it can work in your favor as well as work against you. But let's yes. just say USC has. The new coach comes in and rebuilds some some trust around USC. You get you're you're only ever two recruiting classes away from really con- really competing. I think. Yeah. The, now, the good thing is you don't have to have the elite offensive lineman to win the Pac-12. Yes, exactly. That's so, my point. And and to win the Pac-12, and you win the Pac-12, you're going to be a playoff contender. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. Uh, let's go to a tweet from Michael. Great name, by the way. Uh, in honor of Jackson Dart, what other young players do you want to see get more game action, whether it be rationally or irrationally? Um, is there anyone in particular? Michael that Jackson the Third. That was my thought. Uh, I, I, I like. I'd like to see USC just try some stuff with the linebackers because I'm, I'm just so not enthused by USC's linebacker play in general. So maybe Rayshon Davis. I, I, I don't hate that pick. It's a good one. Um, tweet from maybe Peanut. How would you guys feel if Spencer Radler transferred to USC? Uh, Oklahoma quarterback who's been benched uh, for Caleb Williams. Um, he'd be I, a, I, I have, he'd be a hell two, of a backup to Jackson Dart. I have two thoughts here. One, doesn't ASU kind of make sense? Yeah. If Jaden Daniels goes pro or something like that? 
Yeah. Um, or Arizona. Uh, he's from Phoenix. That's why. Secondly, I don't think it matters. I think that SC's problem is not quarter, no. not who the quarterback is. It's how the quarterback is coached up. Yes. And um, even next year, if it's Slovis and Dart, I think either one of those guys could win you a ton of games if you put them in a position to succeed. Yes. So I... I, do, I don't know that he changes USC's co- fortunes in any positive or negative way. Yeah, for sure. Unless he's willing to come be a backup and then USC has a really good backup to work with. Yeah, and I'd rather SC fix the other holes than just go out and find a quarterback who could be that game changer. Yep. I know the quarterback's the easy thing that feels good to fix, but like I'd rather you have a year in which everything else was good and you had like a game manager back there mm-hmm. than that being the the missing piece that you solve early. Yep. Uh tweet from Bloating or B loading. B loading? What do you think? Hmm. B loading sounds better than bloating for sure. Uh, what's more likely, Keaton staying for a senior year or entering the portal? Or as uh, Gerard Martinez from USCFootball.com would say, the porthole. This is interesting because there will be a new head coach. There will be a new offensive coordinator. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Keaton transferred. Um, but he doesn't have to transfer because there is a new a new sheriff in town. I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks around for spring. Gets a gets a view of of what his prospects are, and then leaves over the summer. Uh, but I don't know. That's hard to say. Yeah, I I don't know what's. Hmm. I think entering the transfer portal is probably more likely, but I, I I could literally see I could see anything. At yeah, this point. either way. Uh, it's going to be who who gets hired and who can build a, a relationship or not. Um, Quickly. Uh, let's go to an email we got from a different Joe. Uh, can we leave Graham Harrow on the tarmac after this game? This email came from the ASU game. I'm sick of watching him call this offense Joe in the mitten, seemingly Michigan, uh, meat chicken. Um, Alicia, I understand the, the hate on Graham Harrow at this point. I think we all know that this offense is not the right one for USC to be running. Uh, as constructed right now, I, I'm not anti-air raid. I'm anti whatever USC is trying to do uh, at this moment. But if you fire Graham Harrell, who's running the offense? Mike Jenks. Like, if, yeah, you're not you're not fixing anything. F- at this firing point. Graham Harrell isn't going to change the system. It's not going to change anything really. So you just have to roll it out. Like nothing about this. Team is fun to watch. I'm sick of watching this whole team. So, you know, the only, I mean, if you get to that point, then stop watching the games. That's the, the, the that's the solution. Not, uh, not USC firing anyone else. Cause it's, it's pointless. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, let's go to a voicemail we got from, um, Michael in Iowa, not Idaho, Iowa. Hey guys, it's Michael in the five, six, three, which, uh, by the way, uh, Michael is Iowa, not Idaho. You uh, relapsed, but that's all right. No, no big deal. Uh, God, I hate listening to NF poorly played football. Uh, and I feel sorry for you guys because you actually have to watch it as well. Uh, being blind, I only have to listen to it. But I gave up at 
once that last, it was 26 to 18, I think, when I turned it off. I, I just couldn't handle it anymore. I almost felt like I was going to be sick. Uh, but like you guys said about a week ago, you know what? This goes with the season. We just have to eat the whole elephant and not even get emotionally involved and, and turn the page and hope next year's better. And I kind of feel sorry for the, the highly touted recruits who decided to come to SC. They must be wondering what the hell kind of choice did I make in this instance. Uh, but I hope they hang in there. I, I would hate to see Foreman and, and maybe some of the few really good ones that we have hit the uh, transfer portal. But, yeah, this is so disgusting. It's not even worth getting angry about. But I, like I say, I feel sorry for you guys because at least I don't have to visually watch it. So hang in there. Why not? Uh, the light at the tunnel at this point appears to be a train. But, hey, we'll get there. Take care. God bless. Bye-bye. Thanks for the call as always, Michael. And you know what? I uh, I don't know. Consuming this team in any form, whether you're watching it or listening to it or, I don't know, reading about it or anything like that, n- none of it's fun. So it uh, feel for you. Feel for all of us. Um, yeah, there's there's just not there's just nothing nice to say. Yeah, it uh, it is what it is, uh, which is a phrase that I hate. But but it's almost over. Like well, we're seriously, it over. it's three more weeks of this. Yeah, and in that time, the coaching stuff is going to heat up, so we'll have something to occupy our thoughts before that. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, let's go to a voicemail from another Joe, a uh, big Tottenham fan, Joe. Hey, Michael and Alicia. Um, I know the season's already started but I have a uh, preseason question regarding basketball. How come every single year we we never start ranked? I mean, we've beaten UCLA, what, three or four straight times. Uh, we return a decent amount of the roster, and we have some pretty good uh, recruits and uh, graduate transfers or regular transfers that come in basically every year. I, I realize not having uh, Evan Mobley is, what a lot of people see and they're going to be like, Oh, USC, there's no way they can do as good or better without what looks like maybe the next Anthony Davis. Um, but like UCLA, they went one game further, one round further in the tournament than us. And they start number two. I know they return like 90% of their, their roster or whatever, but like for USC to like not even like, really sniffs like 25, 24, you know, the, the very tail end of the rankings, it's getting annoying. I mean, this is almost a regular 20-win program over the last, what, four years or so. Um, it's, it's it's annoying. But anyways, uh, glad to start 2-0. Uh, not glad to see Temple erase the 25-point lead and bring it to a five-point lead at the very end but uh, it was a lead so we won so that's what matters but um yeah i just uh i'm excited about basketball especially since uh there's not much else to be excited about besides i suppose women's soccer which is pretty cool actually but uh not exactly uh on my radar most of the time anyways fight on um hope you guys are both doing very well and thank you very much Thanks for the call, as always, Joe. Uh, yeah, I think this is a good question about SC not getting the benefit of the doubt in preseason polls, because what have we heard? 
every single offseason. Oh, th- this is an SC team that could be could be Andy Enfield's most talented ever. We hear that every single year. And I understand, yeah, like Evan Mobley isn't on this team, but the thing about Andy Enfield is that he recruits beyond his resume, right? Isn't that the thing about Andy Enfield? Yes. Is that there's there's talent on this roster? So why doesn't the talent ever get the benefit of the doubt? And my assumption would be because SC has not done itself any favors and not made the tournament on the regular year after year after year. They they do this thing where they're a bubble team when they probably shouldn't be, or they they you know last year was sort of an outlier based on what SC has done. Like SC reached their potential last year, but they never do. And when you don't do that, and when you're not a, a team that people associate as a basketball brand, people are not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Whereas UCLA played, didn't they play the play-in game last year? They barely made the tournament. And yet they go to the Final Four, and because they look good in the tournament, because everyone is, you know assumes that they're well-coached, which they are, Mick Cronin's a good coach, and because they brought back all their talent, and because they're UCLA and they have those four letters next to their name, it's very easy to put them number number two. Yeah, and, and don't underestimate the power of... That's not of, a knock on them. They should probably be number two. You no, know what I mean? don't underestimate the power of, of the brand uh, of UCLA versus USC. You see the same thing in football. USC always gets rated uh, probably ahead of where they should be because USC football has a, a brand that, uh, that that's just going to... That's just going to benefit them in terms of your perception of that program. Um, And yeah, Andy Enfield, I think, still has a lot of things to prove. I think that uh, you hit the nail on the head when you said that USC is is too often a bubble team when they should be, you know, they they should be a perennial, you know, between five and and eight seed. Right. And they're too often the play in eight or, you know, nine. So if, if you, if, Every year, USC was not waiting on Selection Sunday, crossing fingers and hoping and praying that, that things will go their way. It, it might feel a little bit different. And last year was, was uh, last season was awesome. It was really great to see. But when you have the number three pick in the NBA draft, and Evan Mobley is, is absolutely rocking it in the NBA right now, I think that a lot of voters might look at that and say, well, that was all Evan Mobley. Now... It was a lot Evan Mobley. I think it was a lot other guys, too. And those guys are going to have their opportunity to prove themselves. But you got to build up that uh, that trust, I think. And and personally, Andy Enfield doesn't have that trust from me because I'm so used to this team is super talented. They're still going to be holding their breath on Selection Sunday. And that's frustrating. So it just it just happens. Yeah, the the good thing about this is the the rankings did come out uh, on Monday. The new rankings for Week Two of the college basketball season, and SE's ranked. Yeah, and that's what you know. Two wins, two relatively good wins. The the Temple game, which I didn't watch, but I saw at halftime. I got the score alert. Oh, USC's blown them out. Sweet. Uh, talking with with uh, Kenny Martin, Kenneth Martin. About how, like, wait, you know, this seems looking pretty good. And then I get the final score alert. I'm like, wait, what? What What? What happened? Someone explain it. So it's those kind of moments. And again, I didn't watch. I didn't see the game. It's uh, straight up. So 
I can't say that, like, I'm an expert on what happened, but it's those kinds of things that make me so skeptical of Andy Enfield. Like, right. he's such a great recruiter. I just... Yeah. I see. To me, it comes down to I see doesn't have the benefit of the doubt historically, and they haven't earned the benefit of the doubt. Uh, despite going to the Elite Eight last year, that was seen as a anomaly when that should be a more regular sort of occurrence. And not I'm not saying that they need to go to the Elite Eight every year. This is USC. I, I get it, but like the Sweet Sixteen, I don't think is is a crime to to, to ask for a little bit more often. And looking at the preseason rankings, yeah, SC was twenty eighth in the preseason AP poll, and so now they're 25th. So they moved up three spots, but they're actually in the poll now, uh, for sure. Uh, last call. Let's go from Dan in uh, Valley Village. Hey, it's Dan from Valley Village. I realize that I am just too exhausted to talk about how frustrating this team is and the uh, stupidity of some of the play calling. So I'd rather turn to uh, something uh, more positive and more exciting. Uh, I wanted to ask how the wedding planning is going. Uh, love you guys. Uh, fight on. Thanks for the call, Dan. And uh, thanks for the uh, reminder that we got to do that. Yeah. Um, we don't ask a lot of, of, of our listeners. Maybe, you know, drop in a review and, and just be nice to, to your fellow humans. But um, if you have any prayers or positive thoughts to share with uh, a couple of procrastinators who are planning a wedding that is now six months away. <laughs> Pray for us. <laughs> Less than that. Um, yeah. Uh, also, if everyone can start doing their not rain dances, because right now we're planning an outdoor wedding. And uh, f- quite frankly, it really, really, really is important that it doesn't rain. I don't care if there's rain on my wedding day in terms of like, Rain on your wedding day, whatever. I don't care. Um, the wallets will care until you look at the bill. Until like, you look at the bill oh difference God, between yes, a rain wedding and a and a not rain wedding. So yeah. everyone can just start crossing their fingers for that, please. That would be very nice. But you know, I I don't. I, I feel like we are very very fortunate in that both of our mothers are available to help us with the planning sort of stuff and Michael, your mom, Karen has been amazing. She's helping us She's a lot. Doxing both my parents today. I know. I love your parents. Karen and Joe are, are, are wonderful. I am very honored to be on the way to becoming their, their daughter. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. We, we don't have to go. I might like your parents more than you do. So, we'll you know, all sentimental here. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but seriously, it's uh, we, we are very grateful to them. Uh, and to our families for being able to help us with all these things. It's just that I don't think Michael and I are like the people that you would pick to plan a wedding. Um, so it, it, it's it's going to, yeah, this is going to be interesting. This is going to be very, very, very uh, nerve wracking because there's there's a lot that needs to get planned still. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um eh, we'll do it we'll figure it out at some point yeah I mean, otherwise i mean there's tomorrow always the we'll do it house. tomorrow there's the courthouse <laughs> yeah <laughs> the number of times that we've we've spent like an hour doing something and then it's like you know, just you know vegas is right there like it's yeah. not that hard <laughs> four four hours really if you speed so yeah which we would not be doing ever no. ever absolutely no. not 
No. So, anyways, uh, that's going to wrap up this episode. Thanks for listening. As always, send us your questions, oh, and, and emails, and, and all that. And speak if we're going to just be all sentimental and stuff. Speaking of of Jake, who's going to be on the episode later this week. Jake and Sarah, his wife, doxing, You're doxing her, her, her too? <laughs> have been very helpful with the with the with our early stages of wedding planning too. So, just shout outs all around. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And you guys will listen to Jake later in this week. So send us your emails um, that you got for me and Jake to discuss emails, calls, all that uh, later this week as we preview USC and uh, UCLA. Oh, final thoughts, quick, quick. Do you, do you want to? No, actually, we'll have you call in and leave a voicemail on the rant line. I will with your leave prediction. a rant line voicemail with my prediction and, and some thoughts on the UCLA game. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. See you. See you. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.